Welcome to the Cosmic Business Podcast. I'm Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer, business coach, and CEO of Weave Your Bliss, a company with the goal to help a million spirit-led entrepreneurs build a cosmic business around their genius so that they can earn wildly well and bankroll the change they want to see in the world. A cosmic business is a new paradigm business that believes in collaboration over competition, building a business around your unique genius, aligning to the planets and your intuition, leading with your values, putting your health and the health of the planet first, treating people fairly and building giving into your business model. Sounds fabulous, right? On this show, I will take you behind the scenes of my thriving multi-six-figure business, including strategy on closing more sales, nurturing your community online, plus astrological insights to optimize your business and life. We'll also feature conversations with spirit-led business owners, creatives, and change makers to inspire you. I'm coming to you from our regenerative farm in rural Maine, my happy place, where we are currently creating space to welcome community for retreat and earth reconnection. Let's jump into the conversation. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Cosmic Business Podcast. I'm Paula. Welcome. I have such a treat for you today. I actually am interviewing my coach, Liz Kimball, and we go deep. So if you are feeling currently like you're holding things up in your process, if you're in the waiting room, that's what she calls it, like waiting to make that next big leap. If you have trouble with like content strategy or some resistance around social media and what it can be used for, you just want to be staying true to your values. This is going to be a podcast you don't want to miss. Please do stay tuned and we'll jump into that in a second. I want to let you know also that I have limited spaces available right now for the Cosmic Business Incubator, which is my eight-week program to help you get really clear about who you're serving, create an offer that brings in a regular thriving income, and also a marketing plan that works for your uniqueness. This also comes with a one-on-one deep dive astrology session with me so that you can clarify your own purpose, your own strategy, and your own timing for making this all happen for yourself. You can book a free call to see if you're a fit. And I look at your chart and make sure that we are good for working together, that you're in a good trajectory. And I will make sure you walk away from that call with something useful, even if you don't decide to join me in the Cosmic Business Incubator. So if that's interesting to you, Make sure that you jump in to the show notes and you will see all the information you need there. Okay, so on to our interview with Liz Kimball, who has 15 years of experience as an award-winning performer, published writer, director, and choreographer, professional certified coach, professor, facilitator, and creative entrepreneur. She has spent a lifetime devoted to deep research, study, and practice of creativity, self-actualization, spiritual traditions, conscious communication, compassionate leadership, ethical entrepreneurship, intersectional feminism, transformational theory, and the multifaceted, slightly mysterious alchemy of skills necessary to be a thought leader in the digital age. I think you're going to love this interview. You're going to be probably needing to take some notes. So grab a notebook and get ready to enjoy this conversation with Liz Kimball. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the podcast. So happy to be here. It's so nice to have you back. So I was looking back at your Instagram because I was thinking to myself, like, when did I 
first encounter Liz's brand. The first time I saw you was on Instagram and, and there was a post. I think it was this one that says it's from 2018, like make it, launch it, speak it, sing it, write it. There's like all these commands <laughs> on there. And then I just found, you know, your main page and I was looking through and I was just immediately captivated. I was like, I want to follow this person and I want to be in this person's sphere. Um, and I think that's kind of an interesting place to start because I love like thinking about my own experience and like how I entered into somebody's orbit and why, like what compelled me about that? Because I think we can look at that and, and for our own brands, like think about how does that impact our people? But you've really created such a compelling space. And I think you do that. So like, you're not on there posting all the time. You're not like one of those people that's always got stuff in, in your stories and you're always doing so. I mean, you do post stuff, but it's not, it's very spare. And so I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. Like, was this all strategic or are you literally just like, I'm doing what I love and those who want to be here are welcome. <laughs> Well, first of all, what great advice, right? It, speak it, make it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I could use that advice today. Thank you. It's so interesting looking back at your like former. I think the Instagram walls are such fascinating artifacts of like your yourself, your development, because I think one of the most unexpected parts of the path that I'm on that you're on for me has been like, whether or not it's an invitation, the sort of, you know, part of it is just that you're evolving in real time in front of everyone. And maybe that's all digital culture, but because I'm someone who's chosen to be in varying degrees public about my life, it's like you look back at your grid. For me, it's like, oh, that chapter and oh, that's, you know, I was thinking about that at this time. So I think it's sort of this kind of fascinating artifact. To just be totally honest, since like radical truth is my kind of deepest commitment in life. I am in no way strategic, specifically on social media, just like period, end of sentence. I'm sure I've gotten so much advice to be way more strategic. I'm not the best at following other people's advice. In fact, usually like my kind of my response to most advice is like, what if I did the opposite? That's not always true. <laughs> <laughs> I think like one of the early messages I saw too on your Instagram that really resonated with me was this idea of a nonlinear duck, you know, yeah. and, and like that just struck me. I was like, yeah, that's me. And you're into like, you know, elevating the black sheep and stuff like that. So, Sure. I mean, so a nonlinear duck, I mean, I think it's also so fascinating because you're bringing up references that was like, this is 2018. Like we've, you know, things have so much have changed so much. The internet has changed so much because I got on these platforms truly because there was something in me that was trying to express itself. And none of the containers of my life at that time were enough for what was trying to come out of me. And, and I think it's such an, it, yeah, it's like, I didn't know what was happening. So it was literally the opposite of strategy in that I felt a rising, you know, and that's kind of like this feeling I find with whenever your creative voice is trying to express itself. For me, it is never strategic. Now, there's all kinds of great strategic reasons why we should. But like, I think it's this it's this urgency, like this kind of soul urgency that expresses itself through your creative voice. And so for me, the way it feels is like just something inside me is like 
trying to rise up and it's trying to rise up. And then sometimes it's like, it can sometimes feel like a whisper. It sometimes feels like an itch. It sometimes feels like a literally a person on the door banging on a door. Sometimes it's like trapped in a room banging on a door, but I couldn't name it. I couldn't say to you like, Oh, I was trying to write a book or it was just like, I needed to express and I didn't know how to do it. So, and at that time, you know, I had, I did have careers in the arts, but it just wasn't enough anyway. So like, I think somebody was like, Oh, I know I was teaching. <laughs> I was teaching at the new school in New York. And one of my students was like, you need to be on Instagram. And I had resisted it for years. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And they were like, you know, this stuff you say is so great. Like in class, like we're also inspired, you know, you just need to like go. I'm going to, and one of my students made me the Instagram account. And then she actually helped me in the beginning. They, so thank you, Audrey and Victoria, if you're listening, because they were, they were both like, get this on the internet. <laughs> and so then we just, you know, and we started this, um, creative 15 journey at that time. And so there was just, it was like so organic and it's also, it was so tied to like, um, just following an impulse. What you said is important because so many of us get caught up in the kinds of content we want to create. And it's great to have a content strategy. I think that's helpful. I think it's helpful to like have calls to action and all that stuff. But when you have that rising that you're describing and you produce content from that place, and like this leads into, you know, sharing your values and all these other things that you do share. But if you have that rising and you listen to that, it's very compelling. People want to be a part of that and they opt in or they opt out. There, it's very clear who's going to be in your ecosystem. Totally. So because my commitment is to truth, like, like number one commitment is tell the truth. It's both wonderful and maddening. Like from a, from, well, like you're saying, you know, to have a content strategy, like that can sometimes be really difficult because the, you know, CEO in me sometimes is a little bit at war with the creativity, like the creator in me, which is like, I, you know, this doesn't feel truthful enough. This doesn't feel like aligned enough. And you got it, you know, the consistency I would recommend to any of my clients. Um, it's so important. And the reason why consistency, the reason why I believe consistency is important is because I think of everything as a relationship. And so I think of our creative ecosystems as just this network of relationships. And I kind of group them around sort of 10 core relationships. And one of those relationships is our relationship with our audience. That is literally a relationship that we are constantly nourishing. And so part of a relationship is trust. And part of, you know, trust is like knowing someone's going to be there. What I find really challenging about that is that you also have to balance your role in the relationship and your capacity. And, and to go to your earlier point, I sometimes need to go dark to be able to do my best work. And I have found actually that's true for all creators that I know, because part of the creative process, sort of half of the creative process, really the creative cycle is in like a shot, you know, kind of a darker place. I don't mean like depressed necessarily, but it's like, you know, the half of the moon is not, you know, we don't see it. It's and it's this time where beautiful, important, potent things are happening. But for me, it's not the same as luminosity as sort of sharing it out. So I sometimes just have to go dark to be able to kind of burn the next thing, which is not strategic. And definitely, you know, if someone was just analyzing numbers, I'm sure it hurts the numbers or whatever, but I can't, that's not a met, I can't operate that way. Like I have to operate in the way of like, I'm really here to, to build this relationship with my audience, but, and also I want to give you a great, you know, I want to give you as truthful kind of meaningful stuff that I can. 
And sometimes that means I need to go, you know, kind of incubate for a little bit. Yeah. And I think like we cannot be beholden to the systems that we've been using to get to this place. They're outdated. They are harmful, right? And they are harmful to ourselves. They are harmful to others. I genuinely believe there's another way forward and that we can be successful. You and I both are trying to do this in our business, be successful while including ideation time, dark time, rest time, spaciousness, whatever you want to call it, like creating a business that can include that and still be successful and still help your clients get transformation, still help you produce the life of your your dreams and support your family and all those things. Um, So I don't know if you want to say more about that. I guess it has to feel authentic. So, okay. So one of my values is to create the rules and create the path. So that's sort of, you know, what I know. And that's, I guess that's sort of being a nonlinear duck, right? Like every single time I'm trying to be a duck that follows the line and stays in line, I feel like my soul is dying. And so when we think about a business really is one big creative act, one big sort of creative expression. And if the kind of creator at the head of this business is feeling like they're dying, the business is not going to do well. I mean, that's just my perspective and sort of the way I found it to be. So like, I, I have found that like, I have to stay in my truth, in my curiosity. And sometimes or often that will mean like defying most of the rules of, you know, especially the way we're kind of marketed all day long about do this, do this, do this. You know, it's like, I just kind of have to kind of create those inner rules. It means though, I mean, like, let's be really straight up. You sacrifice stuff for that, right? Like, For me, it's like probably slower growth, but I guess, you know, my expansion has to move at the rate of truth. Like it has to move at the speed of truth or else what am I even doing this for? So, yeah, I mean, I think for me, part about being a nonlinear duck is just saying like my duck is never going to do a row. And that doesn't mean I'm wrong or bad or out. You know, it just means like I want to go left when everyone else is going right. And that's part of who I am. And um it's really freed me up. <laughs> and then and then everyone was like, I'm a nonlinear duck. And I'm like, maybe we're all nonlinear ducks. Well, I think there's something to be said about like being an entrepreneur, being a nonlinear duck. As an entrepreneur, we're casting a vision that often cannot be seen yet. We're, we're you know, having to bring something into view that people have not yet envisioned. And so it requires you to kind of zig and zag and experiment and get messy, right? And go into those fertile void spaces and and kind of ideate and then bring something forward, you know, responsibly, responsibility to your energy, to your environment, to the people in the world who are going to receive this thing, like all of those things too, you know? So I think that when, when you like do the nonlinear thing or when you, you know, there's a, there's a way and then you decide the other way. When you kind of decide to go left when everyone else is going right, the biggest threat or the biggest fear is like, I won't be loved. I don't belong. You know, you lose that sense of belonging and like connection and you're just like, Oh my God, I'm going over here. It will confirm my deepest fear that I'm unlovable. But I think that something I've learned is that we need more examples of people going left when everyone else is going right. And that, you know, when someone does that, there's always somebody watching who needs to see it. And then you start to like, yeah, there's just something you attract people because you're living your truest life. (laughs) You know, you're talking about strategy. I mean, I guess that's, I always say truth is the strategy, like truth is the winning strategy. And I've really held to that in my business. And I even try and try to like really apply it to like 
you know, the time when I feel like the most I'm making the business, the businessiest decision possible. And I'm like, but we have to follow that. And so I think it actually has brought, you know, and I'm so lucky to have an abundance of incredible clients and audience members. And I don't know, that's sort of how I had to do it. Another thing I want to bring in here is just staying true to your values. You know, you, you have inspired me so much because when I encountered you in 2018, I was in a pivot that then was another pivot. You know what I mean? And I was watching you be really clear about where you stand on racial justice, speaking clearly about like women's struggles, <laughs> you know, all of our issues, the things that we've come up against in this system that we live in, not just politically, but also just like psychically. And that really appealed to me. And so can you talk about like staying true to your values? And still being a profitable business, just being very clear, like where you stand and like, was it easy for you to do that from the get go? And what, what inspired you to just like keep going? Yes. Was it easy? No, because I think so. I'm a shy, introverted person and I have a history of, you know, I grew up in a family of secrets. And so every, I have a history of like not using my voice when I want to use my voice was sort of like the, the kind of water I was swimming in as a kid. And so, so much of my, you know, I think we, we start to develop, you know, the things we really needed as kids. And so, so much of my professional life has really been about like giving myself permission to use my voice in various capacities. But um, so it's never easy because there's still always a little girl inside of me who is afraid to speak always. And no matter how much work I do around that, I'm always going to be kind of walking alongside of her whenever I decide to use my voice. But is it right? Yes, absolutely. Every time. And for me, um, there's never a decision because I feel that if I'm not speaking truth to power and speaking just like using my voice imperfectly, probably not saying the right things. I mean, I think these days, the biggest fear about speaking out is like, well, I'm going to say the wrong thing that will offend some kind of person or I'll push someone away. And so there's like, there's real costs to it. But on the other side, the cost is that I didn't use my one meaningful life to do everything I could to make a more beautiful world, you know? And so I think it's always just like, what matters most is that I use this little tiny precious speck of time here on the planet to be a tiny little part of this chorus of voices working to build a more just and equitable world. And that's like number one thing I was put here to do. So I have to. And I just ignored everybody who was like, don't be, you're a coach. Don't be political. I mean, that's for me, everything is political. My business was born out of. I mean, most of the work I'm doing with women was all born during the Trump Hillary year of campaigning. And it's making a dedication to building a platform for women's creative voices was always has always and will always be political. So while you were talking, I was thinking about May K. Sang, who was just recently in the Cosmic Business Salon Summit that I put on last month. Um, and she said something that I found really profound, which is that she likes to, when she's kind of assessing where she's going to be, what spaces she's going to be in, she's talking about safe visibility strategy. She said, I like to see that someone has maybe had a misstep and what they did then. Like, that's really interesting to me. Like, how did they address it? Because we're all going to have missteps. We're all going to say or do things 
that are quote unquote wrong or that hurt someone. So it's better to actually like put your neck out there and try and then be able to navigate what comes next. And I found that really interesting because she was saying like, if I've seen that someone was called in and what they did in that situation, I feel safer knowing that they will be okay if I call them in. I love that. Yeah. And it's like, it's repair too. I mean, I think about that as a parent all the time is like, I'm not trying to avoid the conflict, the big feelings, the challenge, all of it, right? It's really about like, <laughs> this is on my good days. Um, but like, how, <laughs> how am I, how do we kind of sit with the discomfort and how do we repair it together and how do we stay as true as possible as we do that? Yeah. I love that. So, I mean, one of the, major things. And you and I work together. We've been working together for almost... This is our fourth year, actually, of like working pretty much on with a little time off. <laughs> How lucky am I? I'm How just lucky the luckiest. <laughs> um, yeah. So working with you has been revolutionary. I, like I can't say it lighter than that. Like It's been such a huge boon for me to come across your work, to be inspired by you. And a lot of what you work on is creativity. And we've talked about this in different forums. But it's kind of the North Star for you. Like it's where all this, the business stuff comes out of, but the business is really a vehicle, if I'm understanding correctly, for the creative voice. Like it is just another way that the creative voice can be centered, paid for so that spaciousness can be created so that more creativity can happen. Like, would you say that's correct? And absolutely. It's my way in. I think I'm really fascinated by a world that centers women's creative voices. That's the world that I'm most curious about exploring and sort of devoting my time to. And, you know, what is a world where every woman trusts her creative voice? You know, that's kind of like the question that gets me up in the morning. And so I think of it. So I have found kind of in my earlier, my, my, decade of angst in my 20s and just like trying to figure out what, who I was and what I was doing in the world. I found a lot of pressure when I thought about like, this is the big dream. And my only purpose in life is to go after this one big dream. And I'm either, you know, if I get the big dream, I'm success. And if I don't, I'm a failure. For And for me, that was like around dancing. And, you know, I was an, a performing artist at that time. But I found that it was like, it was sort of putting all this pressure on like being successful in the dream as what defined you and your worth as a person. And so the way I kind of evolved it, cause that just was not working for me. Um, because I was like, I have all these different ways I'm trying to move. And, and sometimes you have to kind of take a dream to a certain point and then move to the next one. Like that was just such a clear part of my path. So for me, the business is just a create. So it's just a creative, big creative project. It's a container. And that's the container is really for my own becoming, you know? So I think of every good creative project, every book we write, every TED talk we give, every podcast we start should do first and foremost, I think for the creator, it should help you evolve into your next version of self. You know, it's like one thing I think it's doing. And then the other thing I think it's doing is it's a place to express your curiosity. Like your questions for the world are not the same as my questions for the world. And that's why it's endlessly fascinating and beautiful to me. And so if your spaces and containers, whether it's a business, what, whatever it is that you're doing, is not a place where you can express your curiosity, that's when I think your soul is dying a little bit. Because your soul is like, I have come here to ask these questions and to seek the, you know, kind of explore these themes. My business was actually the best possible container I could find to do that. And it wasn't intentional. 
at the beginning, but it ended up being like, oh, exactly. This is, you know, I'm exploring exactly what I'm here to explore, but you have to keep reevaluating because I think it, you know, it, it expands a bit as we go. And then I think if you kind of take it to the next level, it's like the business is also trying to become its next version of itself. So I think of every creative project as kind of having its own soul and its own energy. And so the business has her own energy and she's trying to evolve too. So every kind of project we choose for her within, you know, her evolution has to help her become the next version of herself. And it has to become me. That's kind of how I look at it. I don't know if, if that sounds kind of out there, but it's like it, it needs to help both of us evolve and become or else it's not actually really doing its job. It being a project. Yeah. I feel like I could go even further out there and just say, you know, I think it's a co-creation with divine forces, you know, like the divine forces are trying to help. They're trying to kind of implement better ways on this earth. They're trying to help us. Right. And if we are willing to co-create versus use our will, which is, I think what a lot of people have done in business up until this point, they've pushed forward an agenda and not co-created. And so we've had a lot of destruction. We have a lot of, you know, environmental destruction. We have oppression of peoples. All of the things that are problematic in today's world have come from using our will versus like co-creating and being open. You know, this is more of like an indigenous perspective. It's more of like an earth-based people's perspective is like, okay, what's happening right now? And how can I be in the flow with that? You know, and as entrepreneurs, like we're channeling, we're kind of channeling in these creative ways of looking at the world, I would say. I love that. And to me, that makes me think like, so what are we really doing? We're listening and we're looking, you know, like your job is to see the world thoroughly as it is and then see in your imagination and in your inner eye, what it could be, you know, and what, and that can kind of come on like a daily basis. Like you're seeing your client exactly as they are and as they want to be, as they kind of envision themselves to be. And then we're just listening, like listening to the audience listening to ourselves, listening to the business. I mean, but I say all this and then I'm like, and it's hard, you know, you're doing like the day to day. Um, and so you're, you know, uh, I definitely feel the pull of like, and there's a long to-do list and my assistant has a lot of slacks for me. And so um just want to say that to everyone. It's like not all day long, but I'm able to kind of think in that way. I love that as sort of our job is to is to respond intentionally to the forces around us and co-create. I mean, that's beautiful. I think it's also good to remind ourselves like to almost like have a post-it note up because I think we get so constricted around like, oh, we have to have a content strategy or it's Monday and I always post this on Monday. You know what I mean? Like we can get kind of wrapped up or we can be in our perfectionism or like there's other ways that shows up or like our fear that we're not going to sell whatever we're selling or our fear that the right people aren't going to show up. Like there's so many ways that we get into our ego around our business, even like being seen and visibility and all, all these different things. It's complicated. But if we can just remind ourselves that this is a co-creation, that this is an experiment, that this is like a wildly creative act, that this is us decolonizing, like we're part of a process that's bigger than us. You know, I think that that's a powerful practice. I think the lesson that I'm constantly <laughs> learning, you know, is that like you can choose creativity or you can choose control, but you can't have both. So if you're choosing a creative life, a creative path, which is all, in all of us, it's our, you know, our human destiny to do that. But like, you're kind of giving up control <laughs> and you're choosing you're choosing curiosity and you're choosing openness and you're choosing kind of the mystery of the unknown 
um, over control and certainty. Um, and that's certainly like such a deep value for me that I'm like, if this business can help me, you know, I think sometimes that the thing is put to, to help us teach, learn those things. And I think for me, the business is constantly asking you to try to control and be certain and solve a problem and make, you know, all of these things we're taught business is. And I think that you and I, like, I know the folks listening, like, we're saying yes. And what if business could be more than that? So I think this might be a good moment to kind of go back a little bit and talk about, because it sounds like you're saying the business sort of was born out of this rising within you to like bring women's voices forward. But can you talk about that journey to entrepreneurship? Like, how did you go from being a performance, you know, an artist, a dancer, producer to like, starting a business. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think it began when I was doing yard. I was like obsessed with yard sales when I was a kid. <laughs> and I was like, always, I literally would try to sell everything in our house. I was just like, I would walk through the house and I'd be like, could we sell that? Could we sell that? I was just very, and I also hated the yard sales. So like, I loved them and I hated them. I loved the act of the yard sale, but I hated being the person who had to sit there and like have people buy things from me, which is just so interesting. That kind of tension of like, and that's so to me is like this running this kind of small business is you have you're so in direct contact with that relationship of 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 selling and you have to be you just have to be there visible right there next to the thing you created or the thing you stole from your parents to try to sell and you have to be like here I am you know and it's just that full most very vulnerable thing but I did not intend to create a business. And I think, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of the old guard of online business, even though I wasn't really at the beginning. But when I did launch this business, nobody I knew was a coach. Nobody I knew how to ditch, literally nobody. I did have a job coaching for another company. Um, and I had been doing some like, you know, teaching and speaking around communication. But there was a catalyst, you know, and the catalyst was that the company was like, hey, our company is not working right now at all in any capacity. We're going to give you your client list and you need to go off on your own. It was really kind of like a, a, the biggest gift and that also felt like the biggest, you know, upset. So it didn't, I literally started a business overnight because I had a client list that I needed to have offerings for. But in terms of the, that was just like figure, you know, okay, make a structure ASAP. But then to really figure out what the business was doing was, it, it's inseparable for me from this, like, honestly, you know, and I don't want to devote this podcast to him, but like from Trump's and Hillary, like everything that was going on that year, it, it was doing something to the women that I knew, the creators that I knew. And I was, I was a, because I was a dancer and, and a performer, I knew all these creators and everyone was just like, feeling smaller and smaller and kind of more suppressed and more suppressed. And like the way the news stories were affecting our creative voices, it just became very clear to me that like the thing that was happening politically was also happening in all of, you know, in all of Hollywood and just all of this. Um, this was all before me too, but there was this diminishment. And so I was just like, okay, let's just get women in a room you know, and let's just do every, give them as many kind of as much support and resources as I personally can to help kind of give more space and kind of wind beneath, like help her bring her full sails up. You know, I mean, that is sort of the image, just like full sail, you know, and how do we give you what you need to kind of be full sail? Because the world is literally trying <laughs> to bring your sails down. 
So it started with three women in a room in Times Square. And here's an example of how like everything for me is opposite. Like that wasn't strategic. Like that wasn't making money. You know, I think everyone paid like $25 or something and it was three people and I rented a room. So I think that the room cost more than everyone coming. But this is my, I mean, you know, part of my nature. And I don't know, it's like, I'm sure it's astrological, Paula, but it's like, if I have a conviction, there's no, there will be no negotiating with that conviction. So I was just like, this has to happen. And so I did it. And I was just like, it'll grow. You know, I just had this, I was just like, this needs to happen. And I just need to make space for these people. And I just had this faith. And it ended up growing, you know, I mean, it's all been evolving. But yeah, that was that was the inception point. And then someone so my my students were like, make an Instagram account. And then someone else was like, you should really have a blog. And it's probably because I was like doing what I'm doing now, which is talking too much and, you know, going on and on about things I believed in. They were like, get her, get this girl a blog, like give her a place to put her ideas. Um, and somebody kind of helped me set up a MailChimp account. And then I was just kind of writing this newsletter and blog, but it was all because I had stuff to say and I didn't know <laughs> where to say it. That, that was the beginning. And it just compelled people because they were feeling similar things. And yeah, I'm like looking at your birth chart too, as we are speaking. Oh, I love it. You know, I love this. <laughs> yeah. And just for people out there who know a little bit about astrology, you know, Liz is ruled by Mars. She's an Aries rising and her Aries is in an exchange with Venus, the first house and the seventh. So there's this powerful combination for entrepreneurship. But you also have a really strong Saturn, triply strong in your seventh house. So the seventh house is where we look at entrepreneurship. Having Mars there is really great. Having Saturn there means everything has to be within a structure. That it will take time. But when you digest an exalted Saturn like that, it gives. But you have to digest that energy. There's like a slow burn. There's like persistence. There's discipline. There's mastery. You know, and that's what I... I see in your work, like you really care when you put an email out, you give it a lot of thought, you know what I mean? And you make points. And another thing being in several of your programs now, and now working one-on-one -on -one with you, like you put together these like worksheets, I don't know what you call them, but they're like very thoroughly laid out with like, here's the experiment and here's, here's the thoughts, you know, and here's a playlist to go along with it. There's like a lot of creative, generative things that go in. And that, I can see that in the chart. I mean, the other thing you have is a combination for the goddess Saraswati, which is the goddess of knowledge, wisdom, music, dance, creativity, right? And you've got like, you're in a period of Jupiter. So that's all activated. So like, it's just really cool to see that. And, and like the major shift happened for you when you went into Jupiter in October of 2019. So that period it's a big inflection point because the period before that was 18 years long and it was of the nodes, you know, so this like craving to find your footing, like you were describing of your twenties goes into like the knowing and the wisdom of Jupiter. It's like, okay, we're here to do something. What is it? How can I tap in? You know? So it's like a pretty powerful shift. I love this. I'm digesting all of it. You know, I think I, you know, I study expansion and expansion is a really big, you know, it's, it's a lot of my programs are sort of built around expansion. And I think that's my, that's my Mars. That's my like Aries. But I mean, this is fascinating. I can't wait to listen back to that and like take a million notes, but it, it's like the models of expansion that we've had 
feel challenging and confusing and not right in the body. Like, and I feel like that's so much of your work is like, so how are we going to expand at the speed of care for each other? And it's at the speed of trust and at the speed of kind of our our charts. I mean, that's really what it is. And so I think for me, my expansion has not ever been rapid, like overnight, because I think my nervous system couldn't handle it. You know, I think it's when I look back at all the timing of everything, I'm like, oh my God, the timing is divine and perfect. Even if in the moment I'm like, why isn't this happening faster? Um, So I love hearing that about the chart too. I love that there's a house for entrepreneurship. That's delightful. And it's also the house of relationship. It's literally whoever's sitting across from you. And I think that's, it's an interesting thing because I feel like the seventh house, it's so much about who's, who's sitting across from you when you're an entrepreneur. It's like, who are you making deals with? Who are you supporting? Who is the recipient of your vision? It's all relationship. Yeah. And that's one of the things. So I, and I feel like you, you, I imagine you might come up with this too, is like, you know, at this point, I'm helping a lot of folks who are building, whether they want to call it a business or a creative ecosystem, you know, use the language that works for you. But they're wanting to build, you know, women who want to build a media company and women who want to build a platform around their storytelling ideas and then a straight up business. And like, so there's this huge hunger and desire for that. And then there's all these feelings of like, Oh, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it that way. I don't want to, you know, it just this feelings of wrongness. And I think one of the things I don't want to set revenue goals. I don't want to, you know, and I know you're exploring all of this. And something that has really helped me is, okay, like if you have a goal to build 10,000 Instagram followers, most of the people I know can't be compelled by that goal. And if you, if the goal doesn't feel right in your soul, you're not going to go after it or it's going to burn you out. And so we have to figure out, but what is, you know, what's the deeper intention? What is that? How is this connected to really who you are and what really brings your soul and your heart alive? It can be, but, but it's an, it's relationship. I am building relationships. And then when you think about relationships, like, oh, that feels kind of warm in the body and feels like a kind of expansion that I have noticed feels kind of more right to the bodies and the hearts of the people that I'm working with. I love that. And then our work together, you, you know, have been helping me kind of with my, my thoughts around who I'm helping and how this, how this is going to look, because I feel like it's so powerful when we have a goal that's really meaningful. Right. And so in my case, I want to help a million spirit led entrepreneurs make more money and impact so they can give back. Right. And so that is one piece of it. But now you and I are working on like, what does it look like if a certain percentage or something a part of my ecosystem is actually giving back like what does that look like and so that's a question we're exploring it's an, a live conversation <laughs> that we're having you know and so quantifying that is actually really inspiring for me like to think about my community giving 10 million dollars back and like how doable that actually is i'm like that makes me want to get up in the morning and do the work you know what i mean <laughs> Totally. I mean, I could talk about goals all day long, but I think that they, I mean, just the way your eyes were just lighting up, even saying that. And so it's like, it's shifting, I think, from sort of the goals I feel I'm supposed to have. Like, I mean, I'm being, you know, kind of basic about it, but like, we're sort of taught, oh, this is how a business should kind of measure its success. And now you're saying, but what if we measure it that way? And what if we measure it in this other way? And then measuring, you know, through giving back, then measuring becomes, measuring becomes, not a way that reduces you. Cause I think sometimes measurement can make us feel like I'm being reduced, you know, I'm being less, like less of myself. But if now the measurement is going to help you become more of yourself. I mean, if I could like 
make all decisions just simple for <laughs> in every moment. It's like, is this helping me become more of myself as the creator and the founder, or is it taking me away from who I really am? And then for the business, is this helping the business become more of itself and taking, or is it helping the business become less of itself? And for you, the way I've seen you kind of organize yourself around this intention of what if we could give this amount back? That feels like more of you is now coming online even more, you know, and your business, I can even feel the business. It's saying like, yes, you know, it's like, yes, I, that's helping me become more of myself as the business. Yeah. I think it's interesting because as spirit led entrepreneurs, as creatives, as people who reject the system that has been going on, you know, capitalism, white supremacy culture, all of those things. We're trying to decolonialize ourselves in the way that we work. I think there's this kind of tendency to want to wholesale reject the other system. And I do understand that like we cannot build the new system based on the principles that got us here. And there are things like measurement and data that are neutral. It's like money is neutral and it's how you use it or how you apply it or how you think about it. Right. And so it's really interesting to take like the nuanced approach. And I work on this with my clients a lot because I do feel there's that tendency to just like reflexively be like, I don't want to set a goal or I don't, <laughs> I don't like sales. You know what I mean? Just kind of reflexively do that instead of being like, Oh, wait, we can do this our way. We can reclaim certain aspects of things and not just throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Yeah. And I just want to say, I think the part of you, anyone listening or any of us who's like, it's important to listen to the part of you that's like, no, not that, you know, because that part is telling you something. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to do it exactly like the part that's saying, like, let's throw out all metrics. But it's trying to show you something. So if we then listen to that part, but then say, okay, then how do we, you know, how do we build this our way, but in a way that's still sustainable and effective? Like, I think um sometimes you have to go through that. I have definitely, I think one of the best, you know, helpful things I've given myself in business, and it's so humbling, is to be like, it's okay to change your mind on something. So like, even if in the beginning, I was like, I'm never doing a webinar. These are, you know, these are just... <laughs> And I, you know, and now I'm like, what if I did a webinar and what if I tried to find it my way? And it's a, it's a living experiment. But, um, I think especially when you're public with your beliefs and this is, you know, something really nuanced, I think about the work you and I do is like, not only am I public, like people have programs of mine on video, you know, in their, in their online portals. Like, and I've said this thing on a video. How could I possibly shift? But that is, literally the definition of being human, like, and the definition of God, in my opinion, is to change. So it's like, we must allow ourselves to shift. And sometimes, like, to go back to your um, colleague's point, how I shift is what matters, not that I stick to what I, you know, said or believed before, but how do I contextualize this and say, like, you know what, here's what I was thinking before, and here's how I'm shifting this, and here's why. That feels to me like the bravest space. I mean, by the way, on a good day <laughs> and then on a bad day, I'm like, you know, struggling with it because, but I think it's like, yeah, we can change our minds about a thing. This kind of dovetails nicely into something I wanted to to talk about, which is this idea of the waiting room. You know, it's like how we get stuck. It feels like so much of what we talked about, you know, it's we get stuck in our own stories about what's happening and not doing the thing that we really desire to do. Yes. There's all these structures around us that kind of teach us not to do that. Yes. But then there's also like other layers here. So I'm wondering if you maybe could talk a little bit about this and how do we like 
stop waiting for permission? How do we make that shift? Well, first of all, I want to say to anyone who might feel like they're in the waiting room of a thing right now, you know, whether it's that, that space between, you know, you really want a thing and yet you haven't, you're not yet sort of in the place of action and momentum and moving toward it. Our goal is to help you get out of it. And it's extremely human. Just even knowing that you're in the waiting room is a brave space because you've sort of identified, okay, this is really uncomfortable. I got, you know, I want to get out of it, but I just want to say, I, I just want to like, send you love and compassion as you are there because I have been there so many times. Um, And often in the waiting room about things, you know, and then we recognize we are and, you know, sometimes we move out of it and sometimes things take a really long time (laughs) for us to to get out of the waiting room. So it's not like it's, it's kind of the human condition in a certain way. It is. And how it it is why, like how you talk to yourself there matters more than anything. So that Mm. there's that you're not, it doesn't mean you're unworthy. It doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean you don't have bravery, right? It just means that there's something bigger. Your story is trying to get bigger. When you're in the waiting room, you know, um, I think that we have to look at what is keeping, you know, what's keeping me here. And what I have learned is so often the thing that is keeping me here is a cultural rule or a family of origin rule or some kind of, you know, kind of system or structure like you're talking about that is actually I am obeying it. I am being extremely obedient. And so I think, you know, this is easier to say than to do, but the way to get out of the waiting room is to become more obedient to the imagination and to your creative vision than to the rules of the systems and the cultures that you came from. But it takes great courage, which is why having, you know, support and love and talking to yourself gently is so imperative to me um, that it's not like get out of the waiting room, but it's like, Hey, sweetie, like you're, this is, you're so brave. And can I hold your hand as we, you know, move green light, the thing that you were really born to bring into the world. The other thing I want to say about the waiting room though, if we stay there too long, it is incredibly, I, I would say it's like soulfully, it, it, the, the highest cost is to your soul. Like, because you're, you know, your your soul is really trying to talk to you and you keep not listening. But then it's also like just energetically costly because you're actually thinking about it all the time. So sometimes we think, oh, but to get out of the waiting room, I need more time, more resources. I don't have enough space or capacity. What I find is usually the thing that's taking up the most time capacity resources is just the, the kind of stuck energy and the circling that you're doing there around the thing. And when you just kind of make the move, I actually think sort of more time and space is created. I don't have the science to prove that, but um, I think sometimes we forget that getting out of the waiting room, green lighting a project, saying yes to something, it releases energy. Sometimes also waiting room is about, um, I have built something and I'm afraid to release it. You know, I'm afraid to give it out to the audience or you've built an offer or something. And it's like, I haven't, you know, it's time to, you will release energy by kind of moving to the next stage of the creative process. It's super interesting because another kind of framework or way of thinking about this is that your sincere desires are indications of the karma that you're here to live. And so you can trust that. You can trust that. Karma is not negative or positive. It's the ping pong of life, right? And so sometimes we hold ourselves back from the things we're actually here to do. And so from like a Vedic perspective... We're going to be born again and have to go through this again. So we might as well try to chip away at it a little bit now and kind of answer that call 
that's happening within us because that sincere desire can be trusted. And that's you stepping more and more into your power and like actually remediating the karma. Great. I'm taking notes. And (laughs) yes, like entirely. And so what I'm hearing is from an astrological perspective, you can't lose. And then from just like, I think if the success is evolution, you can't lose. You literally, there's no failure in terms of the way we would, you know, conceptualize failure. So tell me, like, you've talked a lot about green lighting, giving yourself permission. What is one piece of advice you would give as far as like making that move, making that bold move? I know you use like dares and there's like maybe a ritual that someone can do to kind of move the energy or to kind of honor the moment of transition. Yeah. Cool. I would call this the three yeses. And this is just like the three yeses of green lighting. Um, and, and, you know, green lighting, the concept here being you and whoever's listening, like if you have a project or a thing that is just ready to come out of you, I'm just smiling right now at you because I know, you know, whoever you are, right? Like that this will happen. And such a, you know, it's such an important piece of your journey. But the three yeses being one, I'm going to say yes to the thing that's trying to come through me. I'm just going to say yes to it. Like, I don't have to know what it is. I don't have to have a strategy. I don't have to know the how. I'm just going to say yes to it. And then the second thing is I'm going to say yes to myself as the creator. Like this thing kind of that's is speaking to me, chose me. So I'm going to say yes. Like, because I think so, so often I'll hear people will be like, I have this idea for a thing, but I don't have the skills to actually, I'm not good enough to do it. Or like somebody else could probably do it better is often this thing. And when we kind of take that, you know, we take out that limited perspective of like your job as a creator is only to execute. That's just one part of your job. You know, the vision that you have is will be irreplaceable and unrepeatable until the end of time. So you are actually the only person who can bring this into being. So yes to the thing that's trying to come through me. Yes to myself as the creator. And then yes to, I would call this creativity, but I think you're talking about it like divine forces, you know, by the way, The reason why we, yeah, the muse or whatever, like the reason why we all have so many names for these things is because they're beyond language. So it's perfect that we have a bunch of names for the soul and a bunch of names for creativity and the forces because they're, they're so awesome that they're unnameable. But so yes to creativity. And that means you're not alone. So you're saying, you know, you're really saying yes to that. You're actually going to be partnering. And I think that one of the reasons we stay in the waiting room is because we think we have to have all our ducks in a row. We have to, we have to think we have to have everything lined up and we have to think we have to know, okay, well, I'm going to get out of the waiting room, but then I'm going to know I'm going to go this and this and this. That's where it's like, no, no, your ducks will be nonlinear. But as long as you say these three less yeses, there's actually no other decisions you need to make right now. So many of the things you're wondering about are decisions for later. That would be my advice. I just was thinking about that Goethe quote where he says, like, there's magic in beginning. I can't remember how it goes, but like, if you can think it, build Whatever it, or dream you can it. Or, dream or yeah. think you can begin it. There is genius, boldness, and magic, and magic in yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. Good. I'm yeah. glad you remembered it. But I feel like yeah. that also is speaking to that, like once all the things that you just said. So once you move the energy a little bit, something comes in to help you and, and kind of meets you and... It's why if I sort of had a mantra in life, it would be just do the next creative thing or do the next brave creative thing, because we think we have to know all the steps, but it's really like, no, just the one next thing. And then that will unfold the thing after. And even I think sometimes it's like, yeah, that works when you're starting out. But I run a business like we have to make I'm making, you know, plans for 2024 right now. 
And yes, like it doesn't mean that you're not going to plan, but it means like those are just maps. They're just compasses. They're not like things that, that are set in stone. We're going to make those so we can direct the energy of our team and our forces and our resources. But really today, I still need to ask myself every day, what is the next brave creative thing that I can do? Yeah. And so as we're building a business too, not getting you know, too fixated on everything being so figured out because it never will be, right? It's always ideating, evoluting, like all those things are always happening. So how can you kind of ride that energy and continue to be a creative being within in these structures and let them kind of be created as you're going while also having structures, you know, like we both have offerings, right? But those offerings may evolve, grow, change, and and so giving space for that, but still having structures where you're you're clear that the business is going to be financially successful, but then also like letting them be their own thing and their and let them breathe. And that the creative process, there are different stages of it. Like there, once you build a thing, you get to live with it and and it gets to blossom and prosper beyond you. And I think that so it's also like the energy of the start or the launch or that incept, you know, that gestation period. It's not always going to feel like that. So it's going to take a huge amount of bravery right now. And then um, at some point, you're going to build a thing that people will, you know, whether whatever that is for you, if it's the next part of your business or or a talk or a new podcast, um, then it's going to have a life of its own that you can't even know or imagine yet. Mm. Well, thank you for this conversation. I have a few kind of questions to pop at you with. Pop away. Pop at me. <laughs> so one of them is, what is one piece of advice that has really helped you in your life? I grew up a ballet dancer and I had an amazing teacher named Miss Tonner. And she would always say, I mean, she was like giving a masterclass every day. It was like the opposite of Dolly Dinkle. It was such rich teaching. So she would always say the best dancers fall a lot. And that really helped me. I mean, then I was like, I wanted this teacher to like me so bad. Then I would like purposefully fall in every class. (laughs) I was like, you notice me? You notice me? Um, But I think that what is success, I have to keep remembering that success is like courage and evolution. And that, you know, for me is really rooted in that advice. Mm. So do you have a morning routine? And if so, like, what, what does it look like for you? (laughs) I love this question. I'm a mom of two small children. (laughs) Um, So we actually talk about morning routines all the time, but not my own. I have had to adapt every part of my life for kids. And so I do little things. I try to like, just steal little moments of grace in the middle of the chaos. So when I wake up to nurse my baby, my children are my alarm. When the baby wakes up, I'll do a little meditation as I nurse her. And then um, like I'll have my son pick goddess cards with me. But then when the kids, you know, when I have when they go into their care for the day, I will do a Peloton and uh, I will write every I try to write every day for 15 minutes. So those are kind of that's like if I can get those two things in, I feel like a million dollars. Another thing I noticed is you have these great ideas. It seems like when you're walking with your kids and then you do like a story on Instagram and those are always like, they're like many coaching sessions for people who oh, want to 
follow list. <laughs> I love that. I love making those. Yeah. I mean, I have just like, I think I've had to make this all work with my life and I haven't mm-hmm. been, you know, you just, I live in a home, I work in my home and my kids are here. And it's just, we often think with any endeavor we're doing, it's like, I need a different life and a different circumstance and a different room and a different set of resources to make this happen. And that like, very humble acceptance being like, this is the environment from which the current thing I want will be born. Yeah. And it might be totally chaotic, but this is the chapter that I'm in. Mm. So tell us, what are you reading right now? Or what has compelled you recently? Oh my God, I'm reading Hello Beautiful. It's a novel by Anne Napolitano. She's um, actually a really good friend of mine is the editor and it just got Oprah's. It's amazing. I mean, it's like a huge bestseller, but it's an adaptation of Little Women. Novels are like my just holy place. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm reading that. And then I'm rereading my other really good friend, Samara Bay's Permission to Speak, which is, I highly recommend Permission to Speak. It's in conversation with a lot of what we're talking about today. And then also this novel is amazing. So how can people connect with you and find out more about your work? I mean, we've been talking about Instagram. I would love just if you're listening and you're like, this thing really resonated with me, just send me a DM on Instagram. I'm at Liz Kimball. And also you can head to my website, LizKimball.com. Find one of my posts and like, let's talk there. You know, like I'm so interested in what you, whoever is listening, like has to say about all this because I just think it's a conversation we're having together. So yeah, find me on Instagram. I would also highly recommend the Creative 15, which is your kind of prompts for 15 days, basically encouraging you to write for 15 minutes a day. Totally. I'm sure we can link that. And um, yeah, you can find that on my site and it's free. And we have had some really magic results from this. Like it, you think you need more than 15 minutes and sometimes 15 minutes is all, all it takes. So beautiful. Well, thank you. And also, if you want to learn more about Liz, we went more into detail into her story and how she came to her creative viewpoints and things like that in our previous episode, which I'll also link in the show notes. So thank you for being here, Liz. It was such a delight. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cosmic Business Podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review for us so other spirit-led entrepreneurs can find out about us. I want to thank Team Podcast for production support on this podcast, as well as the musicians of the music that we're listening to now, Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantu Ledesma from an album Fragments of a Season, which you can check out wherever you listen to music. I hope you have a wonderful day and I look forward to connecting with you on a future episode.